Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to our United Worship Service with Roxborough Church, Watershed Church, and Wissahickon Church. We are so glad to be able to bring service into your homes through social media and through YouTube. We're excited that you are here to join in with us. We are starting a new series. It's called The Purpose Behind the Power. Enjoy it. We're going to run it for the next four weeks. We ask you to just pray for us as we continue to pray for you, and we pray that the Lord will bless you and his presence will be forever with you. If you don't mind, please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to bring ministry um, to these homes, Lord. We ask that you would move by your spirit. We ask that it will be a blessing to them as it is to us to even be able to join in with fellowshipping together in this united worship service lord and lord we ask that you would do a miraculous thing in the process as this series unfold in christ's name we pray amen i hope you enjoyed that worship i hope you were worshiping with us but the worship doesn't have to stop just because the music stopped in fact one of the ways that god invites us to worship him is by bringing our tithes and offerings to the church and so right now is the time during the service where we ask you to consider what it would be that God would have you to give to your church. You know, the ministry of the church is still going on even under the quarantine. And, uh, and so we would invite you just right now to check the links uh, at the bottom of the description of, of this video and click on one of those. And whatever God's put on your heart to give, man, just give those. There's, there's links there. There's uh, numbers where you can do text to give as well. Uh, you can even mail in your gift if you want. In fact, this is what the Bible says about giving. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And so if you believe that, if you believe like we do, that giving is an act of faith, because we trust that God's going to provide all of our needs and it's an act of worship because God has made his grace abound in your life and my life, then we invite you to participate in worship with us by giving your tithes and offerings. Let's pray for the offering. God, we love you. We thank you so much for everything that you've blessed us with as individuals, as families, and as your church. God, we just pray for the offering that we're going to receive today. Lord, we pray that you'll bless it and that you'll use it for your kingdom's sake in Roxborough and Philadelphia and around the world. And we not only pray a blessing on the gift, but a blessing on the giver as well, that your grace will abound to them and you'll provide all their needs according to your riches and glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey friends, Pastor Ricky back at it again with this morning's Kid Challenge. I'm so happy uh, to have you guys back with me again, and I hope that you guys are excited too to find out what it means to go for Jesus. Friends, last week we learned that God gives us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is our helper who gives us boldness to be able to share the good news of Jesus, but also to live like Jesus, right? And this week we're going to be learning uh, some other tools that God gives us to be able to go for Jesus. Listen, you guys have seen firemen, sports players, and, and doctors and surgeons, right? 
All that they have in common is that they wear protective garments when they're doing what they're doing, right? For sports players, soccer players, you wear those shin guards. Isaiah and Nate, I'm talking about you. You guys know about that. And firemen, they wear protective uh, uh, coats that help them when they're going into a burning building. And God gives us protective layers as well as we go out to go. And so we'll learn about that uh, right now. And so let's pick it up with our friends, Carl and Cassie, as they help us understand uh, the things that God gives us when we go. Hi there, little chicken nuggets. It's me, Carl, and welcome to Grow TV. Welcome to Grow TV with your host, Carl, and your co-host, Cassie, where we learn, we have fun, talk about Jesus and all that the Bible has to offer. So once again, Welcome to Grow TV. Today's a great day, but I'm not gonna lie. I'm feeling a little paranoid, like someone is right behind me. <laughs> That's silly me. Why would anyone be right behind me? Hmm. Anyways, I thought it'd be fun if we took this time to do a staring contest. So what we're gonna do is just stare real intensely at each other until someone blinks and they lose. Ready? One. Two, three. Hey, girl. Yeah! What's going on? Were you hiding back there? Yeah, of course. Why? Why not? Well, I... Never mind. So, Carl, I heard you were a little paranoid. You heard I was a little paranoid? From who? Who said I was paranoid? <laughs> I'm not paranoid. Are cameras in here? Did they bug that little horse? Carl, calm down. I heard you say it earlier. Oh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. What's got you so worried? It's just sometimes this world is crazy, and I'm not ready to go and do the mission, you know? But I have been packing all my stuff to get ready to go. You want to see? Sure. It's just a little bag of stuff that I need. <sighs> Let's see. We got this fuzzy helmet thing, because you never know when you need a fuzzy helmet. Uh, we have a whistle. Just in case I get scared of the dark and I just blow a whistle, I don't know what that would do, but you never know. Let's see. I got this thing in case I want to kind of change up my style, you know, and be like, hey, <laughs> I got yellow hair. Got a racket for playing tennis. I don't know how to play tennis, but I would like to learn. And I have this terrifying mask. I don't know why, but I just have it. <laughs> and this Batman mask. So I can say, I'm the Batman. And that's it. That's it? Yeah, well, I mean, for the first bag. How many bags do you have? Four. Ah, oh, that's not as much as Teen. What? Fourteen. I have fourteen bags. All right, so you're holding on to all of this because you think you need it for the mission God has given you? I don't think I need it. I know I need it. Okay, well, I just want to let you know that's not true. What do you mean? Have you ever heard of the armor of God? I don't think so. Well, in Ephesians, God shows us we're supposed to put on a type of armor, and that's all we need for our mission. So what does the armor of God have? A flamethrower? Nunchucks? A macaroni necklace? Spider monkeys? Sharks with lasers on their heads? Well, not quite. It's the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, and a few other pieces that are essential for going out and doing what God has planned for us. You're telling me I don't need my fuzzy helmet? Nope. 
The hat with the funny yellow hair? Nope. My tennis racket? Nope. Not even my Batman mask? Nope. Believe it or not, God gives us everything we need. Wait, what did you just say? God gives us everything we need. That's our big idea! Today our big idea is, God gave us everything we need. So let's all say it together on three. One, two, three. God gives us everything we need. Well that was great y'all. I guess I was wrong in thinking that I needed to pack all this stuff. God will give us everything we need for our mission and God will take care of us. I'm kinda wondering what this does. God. So friends, Carl and Cassie shared with us that God gives us armor, right? It's called the armor of God and it's not physical armor, right? We can't see it, but God gives us armor nonetheless. And so some of the things Cassie said, some of them, uh, there is the belt of truth. And the belt of truth is basically the truth of the good news about Jesus. When we uh, believe that good news and we continue to think about it, man, we get confident in being able to share the truth. And so when lies come to our minds, right, we're able to push those lies aside because we believe the truth about what Jesus has said, his promises, right? And also we practice telling the truth so that we're not lying to each other but when we're tempted to lie, we can trust that God's word will give us the ability to push those temptations aside, right? And so we have others like the sword of the spirit and the breastplate of righteousness. They'll be available in the parent resource below and kind of explaining of what those things are. But I wanted to give a quick illustration of what the armor of God is like. When we don't have our armor, it's kind of like this uh, orange right here, right? No skin on it. But when the problems of life come, when we're tempted, uh, when we're fearful, uh, that represents this water, this glass right here. Uh, this is kind of what happens. So you see the orange, it sinks, right? It's not supported. It doesn't stand up against lies and fear, right? And it sinks to the bottom. And when we're not praying and asking God to put on our armor, when we're not uh, meditating or thinking about God's word on a daily basis, that tends to happen to us. We sink, right? But when we have God's armor on, it's kind of like this orange, right? This orange has the armor on. The armor is the skin. And when we drop it into our problems, lies, fear, all of those things, temptations, man, look what happens happens that orange does not sink that orange stays afloat and no matter how many times you try to push it down look at that guys that orange stays afloat and that's like us when we pray and ask God for his armor when we're reading our Bible so that we believe God's promises and his truth man nothing can stop us we are uh, bold and we are able to push those lies and those temptations aside and so friends Put on the armor of God as you go, as you're telling friends about Jesus, as you're in your household trying to push aside temptation, make sure you're praying, asking God for your armor, reading God's word, and, and thinking about God's promises so that you can be ready to go. And so, hope that encouraged you guys. I'm going to pray for us this morning um, and our morning sermon. Pray with me, guys. Father God, thank you so much that you love us. God, thank you that you sent us on a mission, but God, you give us the Holy Spirit and you give us armor so that when we go, we're protected. We're protected from lies fear from all of the schemes of the enemy like your word says god help us to pray daily uh, to put on our armor to think about your promises and your word so that we will be encouraged to go um, in jesus name and god pray for this morning's sermon god bless lord god your word and allow us to be encouraged and, and and strengthened to be able to love you and go for jesus we love you we thank you in jesus name amen Friends, thanks so much for tuning in with me. I love you guys. I will see you back here next Sunday. I don't know about you, but I know right now uh, I have been enjoying a time of worship, but really uh, been centering in with a hopeful spirit that God had 
something specific for each one of us. So wherever you're at, whatever you're sitting in front of, whether whether you're staring at your phone like this or whether you're looking at a large screen or maybe you're, you know, kind of projecting it onto your wall, whatever, however it's going to happen, I just, I'm praying with you right now that God would speak directly to you and to those whom you're sitting with. We're starting this new series called Purpose Behind the Power, and Pastor Charlie has kind of outlined a series of messages that we're each going to get to share, and I'm super excited to start this first one with you. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to look at John chapter 2 today, John chapter 2, and we're going to look at the first 11 verses, and uh, we're going to make sure they get up on the screen for you as we go through it, and, and we're even going to bring up a couple of prompts throughout my message this morning. But, uh, but, but follow along intently and, and allow the Spirit of God to speak directly to your heart as, uh, as the Word comes forward. John chapter 2, starting in the first verse. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind that used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them, filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after. After the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Father God, would you take your word and would you allow it to speak to our lives? Give us eyes to see the same way the disciples saw the miraculous works of God and they believed. Might every one of us encounter you today as we hear the miracles of Christ. And in the weeks to come, as we hear the miracles of Christ, might our faith grow. Might we come to believe in greater ways. Invite you, God, to do something great this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You might have uh, caught on in this story, but it seems like here in the midst of the story, Mary has a pretty significant place at the wedding. We don't know a lot of the details, though there's a lot of, there's a lot of thoughts around that, and a, a lot of scholars have kind of weighed in on their opinions of this, but it seems like Mary 
has a lot to do with how this wedding goes. And it's likely that this would have been a wedding that Jesus not only would have been invited to, but probably would have been familial to him. It would have been someone that it was a relative or some sort of that. Because Mary seems to know what's going on behind the scenes and also what's going on in the front. If you've ever been to a wedding or you yourself have gotten married, you know that you work really hard to plan everything out unless it's COVID times and then you probably just run off and get married uh, virtually somehow. I don't know how that happens, but maybe. Um, but, but back to the story, you, you, probably, you probably worked really hard to, to plan everything out, to make everything just right. And, you know, I've heard stories of, of the bride and her bridal party up the night before the wedding, like making sure all the decorations were ready and hung in the right places. And, you know, and you, you, probably, you, you probably hire out somebody to make sure that the, that the, uh, the reception goes exactly as you would want. But you you may have had that same moment, that moment of like, huh, is everything going to go the way we thought? Are we going to run out? Is there going to be enough? There wasn't enough at this wedding. We could probably take some guesses why. Maybe some extra people showed up and maybe a couple of people uh, ate, ate, ate and drank a little bit more than, than they were uh, allotted to. But, uh, but, but the point is, there wasn't enough. And this was going to be a real problem. Mary seems to think that this problem was so significant that somebody needed to do something about it. This morning, if you're going to take notes with me, and you'll see them pop up here on the screen, I want to point out three different things to you that I think this text helps us to understand, both about what Christ was doing, but about how that applies to our life. And the first thing comes right from the beginning of the passage. I think it's this. We turn to Jesus in all occasions, and especially in times of uncertainty. We turn to Jesus in all occasions, all things, and especially in the times of uncertainty. There's probably never been a time in your life or mine when there's been more uncertainty than there is right now. You know, nine weeks ago when we started our first United Worship service, we thought we might do this two, three, maybe four times before we jump back into being together. Nine weeks later, we're, we don't feel like we're actually any closer to being back together in person than we were then. Now, we might be. It might be next week or two weeks or a month from now when they say, hey, you can come back together. But we just don't know. There is so much uncertainty about how the, how, how, how the season is going to go. Matter of fact, speaking of uncertainty, I am a huge NBA fan. I love basketball. The cameras are up too high, so you can't see it, but I've got on my favorite sneakers that, that come as, a, as a, a direct product of one of my favorite of all time basketball players. I love basketball. I've been following along closely, just trying to see, are they going to, uh, to re-engage with the 2019 and 2020 NBA season? For a couple of reasons, not the least of which I think the Sixers at least have a chance to come out of the East. I'm excited about basketball. But you know what I've realized? We don't know. <laughs> One day I wake up and it seems like they're going to start. And the next day I wake up and they're like, ah, I don't know if it's going to happen. They just had a, call, a phone call and they had major, uh, major stars from all the NBA on this call and 
there was some that wanted to come back and play tomorrow, and there were many that said, I don't know. Uncertainty is at an all-time high right now. At least for me, when I find moments of uncertainty, I'm tempted to try to work it out. I'm a fix-it kind of guy. I'm tempted to try to say, I, 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 can, I can figure this out. I can just do this and do this, and it'll equal that. And somehow that will solve the situation that we're looking at. I need to be reminded today, and maybe you do as well, on all occasions, let's first turn to Jesus, and especially in times as confusing as this. The uncertainty that Mary was facing at the, the, the wedding was that they didn't know where to get more. They, they couldn't say, hey, Jesus, run down to the corner store. There wasn't a direct answer. Mary was just looking and saying, there's a problem. And she did what seemed natural to her. She turned to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, son, there's a problem. A problem. Now, maybe, maybe like you and me, we, we might have thought Jesus would have solved this problem in a different way. It probably was not Mary's thought either that Jesus would point over to the jars and say, fill those things with water, and then without ever saying a word about what would happen next, somehow he would do the miraculous in changing water into wine. I don't believe Mary had thought that's how it was going to go. I don't actually know that, that Mary had in her mind any idea of how it was going to go. And I know for certain when I am absolutely lost, and I cry out to Jesus, I don't have an answer of how he's going to fix it, but somehow I've got to believe that my God is going to actually overcome the circumstance that I'm standing against. Friends, I guess what I'm saying is this. Jesus is the answer to the situation that you find yourself in right now. Right now, whatever it is, would you turn to him? Would you yield it to him? Jesus, I'm up against it financially. I, I just surrender to you. Jesus, I'm lost at work. I just give it over to you. Jesus, I am in fear of this time and these days. I yield it to you. Jesus, it's you that I look to in all circumstances, and especially when in times of uncertainty. The second thing I understand from this passage is that there's nothing that God cannot do. There's nothing is impossible for God. Well, we see this in scriptures, right? So if you, if you uh, follow along on the screen or you open up your own Bible, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That's Jesus who declares that in God all things are possible. There's nothing too big. There's nothing he can't overcome. Philippians 4.13, Paul says, and probably a familiar verse for many of us, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who, who, who empowers me. It is in the power, in the name of Christ that, that I can stand and do, that I'm capable of. In the Gospel of Luke, in the 37th verse of the first chapter, Luke says, for nothing 
will be impossible for my God. For nothing will be impossible for my God. Friends, I want to invite you to believe this truth today. There is absolutely nothing that you will ever come against that God cannot overcome. There's absolutely nothing that will stand in front of you that God is not greater than. There is absolutely no challenge that you, that, that you will face that God himself cannot overcome. Nothing is impossible for my God. He looked at a wedding party and said, their day is going to go sour because the wine has run out and, and he could solve that situation in a way that you and I might have never dreamt of. He looked over and said those jars had a purpose. They, had, they, they, they were meant to be filled with water so that you could wash your hands and wash your feet. And he said, I, I got a new purpose for those jars. Take those jars and fill them up. Now, look, let me just cut over here for a second and tell you this. When he says to fill them up, there's a reason why. You see, Wine in those days would have been very diluted. It would have been like one parts to two parts, right? It would have been two parts water, one part wine. And so if, if they had filled them about two-thirds of the way, then Jesus might have naturally been able to just take some wine and pour it in, and there's nothing miraculous about it. He could have just given them wine again. But, but Jesus has filled them. Specifically, they get filled to the, to the very top. There's nothing left naturally to do to that water. So what happens in this moment is only describable by saying God did what seemed impossible. He made something out of nothing. God took something and repurposed it, and in repurposing it, he gave it a whole new meaning. Now, look, check this out. Jesus didn't actually say, water, become wine. He didn't wave anything over it. He didn't pour anything into it. He said, fill it. They filled it. They took it. And when it got to the guys on the other side, it had become. Why am I saying that? Because I want to say this. There is only one answer to the. There's only one solution. There's no A plus B equals C. It is simply yielding to Jesus. Jesus, you declare it, and it will be. Jesus, you say it, and so it is. I mean, this is what happens in that story is that Jesus simply said, take it and give it to them. And when they did, they were awestruck by what he did to it in an instant. Friends, have you ever had a moment where you just thought, man, there's no way I can? Have you ever faced something where you're like, I can't overcome it? Have you ever battled something that you wanted to give, that you felt like you were going to give into? Or you may have even felt in your natural state like, I want to give into it. Please hear me today. My God, there's nothing impossible for my God. There's nothing impossible. Mary has one response to Jesus. She looks at him and cries out, Jesus, Jesus. And then she looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to. Now, can I stay on, stay on this spot for a moment? This kind of call to to do whatever he tells you to is, is, a, is a cry for obedience. It's a cry for, 
for you and for me to just say yes. You'll note Mary doesn't give any instruction to negotiate. She doesn't say, you know what, um, let Jesus lay out the plan, and then you think about whether you like that plan and think about whether that plan is going to feel right or work for you, and then come back to Jesus with an alternative idea, and, and at the end of the day, you guys can work it out, and somehow we'll have something to drink. She doesn't say that. She looks at the servants, who may or may not have even known who Jesus was, and she says, hey, do whatever he says. Just do what he says. Part of the reason why we know that Mary was very influential here in this story is because they did what Mary told them to do. Seems like she had some authority in that spot, some power in that spot. And she used it to say, be obedient to Jesus. Just do what he says. Third thing this morning is a challenge for you and for me. Obey as you believe that you might see. Obey as you believe that you might see. You know, this act of obedience brings forth some, some, uh, some bears fruit in our lives. And I'm going to try to give you a couple of points real quick that I think will help us to understand what, what is the product of obeying God. The first is when we obey we walk with God. You know, all the way back in the beginning of the Bible, God created, right? He created man, and he created woman, and he created them that they would be in the garden with God, that they would hang out with God, that they would be in direct relationship with God. Obedience is, in part, is the way in which we walk with God. God, I, I listen. I hear what you ask of me. I obey it. We're, we're going together here. We're moving along in one direction. God, I walk with you. God, I, 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 I listen to you. Second, oh, in obedience, we say yes to the voice of the Father. In obedience, we say yes to the voice of the Father. Now, this, 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 this analogy might fall short somewhere, but, but hang on to it for a second. When I was a kid, which feels like ages ago to me, but when I was a kid, I would remember my mom telling me to do something. And my natural response was to, be, was to ask what? No, not to ask what. It was to ask why. Mom would say, Ray, take out the trash. And I would say, why? And like every good mother and probably every good father too, the response was quite simple. Because I said so. At a very young age, I thought maybe I should, I should try to negotiate with my mom about this. Mom say, hey, Ray, take out the trash. And I would say, why? And she said, because I said so. But I said, but if I don't take it out today, there's a little bit of space left in the bag. We could fill it a little bit more. And if we did that for a week, we, we'd have one less trash bag we took out by the end of the week. And you know what she would do? She would just give me that look. You know that look. Every one of us knows the look that I'm talking about. Think about that look for a moment right now. 
Remember mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, whoever it was that was significant in your life, giving you that look, that look of if you don't. Uh-huh. So uh, in my house, we joke with our kids. This is a joke. We don't actually follow through on this. But I, I give them the look, and I say, if you don't, I'm a whacka whacka on the backa backa. And they know right away that, they need, oh, I'm going to take that trash out. I'm going to take that trash out. Thankfully, my God doesn't have to give us that look. But, man, in obedience, saying yes to God comes because we hear his voice. The third thing, in obedience, we display our love for God in response to his love for us. There's no greater way for us to say, God, I love you, than to say yes to his voice. The last time he asked you, the last time he, 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 he instructed you, the last time he revealed something to you that convicted your heart through Scripture, yes, God. Yes, God. Not because you're demanding, not because I'm afraid you're going to smash me if you don't, not because I'm afraid I'm going to get exiled, because I recognize you're for me. I recognize you love me. I recognize that you cared enough to send your son to die in my place that I might have the opportunity to say yes. Yes, God. Obey. Yes, God, I'll do what you're asking. Fourth, in obedience, we choose God's best. God wants the best for you. God wants what's right for you. By the way, let me just say this. God is never going to give you something purposely that you would fail. God wants what's best for you. He does not want you to, to uh, he doesn't want you to miss out. He's not withholding the good things of life from you. God actually has the absolute best plan for you. So when we're obedient to God, we're actually choosing his best. Finally, in obedience, we trust God to be God. For me, this might be the most difficult. I'm pretty confident in my abilities. There are things that I've worked hard to learn how to do, and I'm pretty confident in my ability to do those things. Maybe you're like that. Maybe there's things that you would say, man, I'm, I'm great at this. I can, I can do that on my own. When we say yes to God, we're actually saying, hey, God, you're better at this than I am. I'm going to move over. I'm going to give way to you. I'm going to trust that you're going to do what only you can do. You know, what's really interesting in the story that we read this morning is that Mary 
gives instruction. After, t- after, after revealing to Jesus her great concern, she gives instruction to the servant. She says, do whatever he tells you to do. And she walks away. She trusts that God is going to be God. That Christ is going to handle it. She trusts that Jesus can overcome. Friends, I got to say it again to you. Jesus, we turn to Jesus in all occasions and especially in our times of uncertainty. We recognize that there is nothing impossible for God. And we obey as we believe that we might one day see. The story ends in John chapter 2, verse 11. It says that, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And then it says this, and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. They were people who were already on board, but as a a reality of witnessing God doing what seemed impossible, their faith increased. Their belief deepened. Are you in a spot today where you're wrestling with things that you don't seem to have the answers for? Would you yield them to Jesus? Are you in a spot today where where it seems like what you're up against is, is so great that no one could overcome it? Would you believe that nothing is impossible for God? Are you in a spot this morning? where you really desire to see your faith deepened, would you begin to practice obedience to Christ? Well, Pastor Ray, practicing obedience to Christ might mean my way doesn't win, I know. Pastor Ray, practicing obedience to Christ might mean that, that, I'm, that I'm doing th- things that not as, I know. There's things that the world thinks are great that God says aren't, and obedience to Christ means walking away, I know. Is it hard? Yes. If you try to do it alone, will you fail? Probably. But friends, let me say this to you one more time. We're here, united together for the purpose of worship, believing that God is going to do something great in your life and in mine this morning. I invite you, start today by saying, God, I yield to you. Start today by saying, God, I say yes to what you have in front of me. Start today by saying, God, I can't overcome it on my own, but you can. And then invite some other people around you to walk that road with you. Maybe there are people you're sitting with right now. Maybe there's somebody you're going to get on a Zoom call with later. Maybe you're going to get into your small group later this week. Wherever it is, find people who are following Jesus. And together, practice obedience. God, help me to say yes. I want to tell you one quick story as we wrap up this morning. It's a very personal story for my life. I've been in professional ministry since I was 19 years old. And uh, when I was 20, I had been serving the Lord at a church for about a year and a half and 
and uh, I was I was a college student. I was I was a junior in college, and and uh, and I decided on this day, on this Saturday, all I wanted to do was have a day off. And so I, I, I worked really hard on Friday to do, get all my responsibilities done for the week. And then Saturday morning, I woke up and I said, today is my day. I'm not doing anything I don't want to do. So I, I then thought, well, what is it that I want to do? And I realized I really wanted to get a tattoo. So I did. I went down the street to the tattoo shop. And I, and, I, and I sat in his chair, and I hadn't really thought about what I wanted. And so I sat in the chair, and the, and the tattoo artist said, you know, like, what do you want for your tattoo? And I said, I probably should have thought of that before I came in. So I just said the first thing that naturally came to my mind. I said, Jesus. And he was like, a picture of him? I said, no, well, that would be, that would be, no, that wouldn't be good. How about just the name of Jesus? Just, just put the name of Jesus on my arm. And that was my idea. And he said, okay. And so he started tattooing the name of Jesus on my arm. And as I was sitting there, I, uh, I began to wrestle with the Spirit of God. I, I began to hear God's voice in my heart and in my mind saying, hey, Ray, I want you to tell him about me. And I spoke back to God. I said, no. He said, no. <laughs> God, uh, this, this was all good. I wasn't saying it out loud. This was all going on in my mind. I said, God, um, it's Saturday, and I took today off. I'll tell anybody you want about you tomorrow, but today I'm taking the day off. I, uh, the tattoo took about four hours. When the tattoo was over, I walked out of the tattoo shop, and I opened the door, and I, I felt the, the sun hit me, and the air was fresh. And I, and I, I remember saying out loud, I said, hey, God. <laughs> it's good to have a day off. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do today. I said that out loud. Don't judge me, but I said it out loud. Fast forward two weeks later, I had to go back to the tattoo shop, and I won't bore you with all those details, but I had to go back to the tattoo shop, and I got there, and I sat down, and, uh, and there was a different guy doing the tattoos, and, and, uh, and it wasn't a day off for me, so I was ready to kind of tell this guy about Jesus. I was coming back. I was going to tell him about Jesus. And this other guy was doing the tattoos, and he said, what are you here for? And I explained to him what I needed, and he said, oh, I'll fix that up for you, no problem. And so in the midst of the conversation, I said to him, I said, hey, where's the guy who was here two weeks ago? And he paused. And he looked at me. And then he told me that that guy passed away. And I sunk down in the chair. And I sat there for another 45 minutes while he touched up my tattoo. And I walked out. And I remember the spirit of conviction being on my life. And all I could remember feeling was this. God, don't ever let me have a moment again where you ask me to say yes. And I say no. Friends, I want to ask you, I want to implore you today, say yes. Take your step of obedience to the king. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see the miraculous things that you've done in Scripture, that our faith might be deepened,
But God, I also pray that you would help us to see the miraculous things you're doing in our midst right now, that we might say yes, that we might choose to be obedient. We might stop arm wrestling your spirit and just say, God, your will, your way right now. And as we say that, God, as we practice living a life of obedience to the king, it not be because I want to be perfect or I want to get everything right, but it be a response to the way I understand how much you love me, the sacrifice you made on my behalf, and the invitation you make to me daily to be a child of grace, promise, God, there is power and purpose. There's purpose behind the power that we see displayed in Scripture and in our lives. We choose you today because you first chose us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that powerful message, Ray. You know, I like the the last verse in that, that passage that Ray just preached from. It said, he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. I have a question for you today. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you made him your Lord and your Savior? I didn't ask you if you were Presbyterian or Baptist or Catholic or Buddhist or or anything else. Or And I, I didn't ask you if you go to church or where you go to church. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? You know, we're, we're talking about the purpose behind the power, and we're looking at the miracles of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, the greatest miracle of all is the fact that God can save a sinner like me and a sinner like you if we'll put our faith in him. Yesterday was my daughter's birthday. And we had gifts for her. And, you know, my, her brothers and sisters bought her a gift. And there was gifts there from her grandparents that they had sent. And then Christy and I had a gift for her. And, and we all celebrated and we sang the birthday song. She blew out the candles and, and she opened up her gifts. But you know what would have been weird? If we would have had all those gifts there and they're ready for her. They're there for her to take and to own and to possess. But if she just would have looked at the gifts and said, nah, I'm good. And walked away without ever receiving the gift and opening the gift. You know, salvation is the same thing. God is offering you the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And so God offers us the gift of salvation through his, through his son, Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is receive the gift. To refuse the gift would do us no good, and it would only insult the giver. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, starting verse 23, it says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God wants to give you a new heart. Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? It's real simple. You just pray a prayer. You talk to God 
like you would talk to anyone else, first thing you do is you admit that you're a sinner. You just say, God, I admit it. I agree with you. I've sinned. I've, I've broken your laws. Second thing you do is you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose from the grave three days later. And the third thing you do is you repent and turn from your sins and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible promises that if you do that, you will be saved. And God will give you a new heart. So would you put your faith in Jesus today? Let's pray. God, we love you, Lord. We thank you so much for the word that we've heard preached today. And God, I pray today that if there's anyone out there who's not put their faith in your son, Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just encourage you. If you prayed that prayer, if you have questions about following Jesus Christ, there's email addresses in the description of this video. You can DM us on whatever social media platform you're watching. Any church, any pastor associated with the United Worship Services, we would love to talk to you and answer any questions with you, pray with you, and rejoice about what God is doing in your life. Hey, friends, thank you for joining us for this morning's worship service. We hope that you were encouraged, and we will see you back next Sunday, 9 a.m. Grace and peace. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.